Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Medicine, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. My name's Claire Clark. I'm one of the hosts of the channel. And today we're talking to David Hardin, the author of Standpipe, Delivering Water in Flint. David Hardin is a Michigan poet, a writer, and artist. He's the author of two books of poetry, and his work has appeared in Three Quarks Daily, Drunken Boat, Bear River Review, the Michigan Quarterly Review, and many other outlets. Dave, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Claire. Thanks for having me. I really um, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I wonder if you could begin our interview with our traditional opening question, which is um, telling our listeners just a little bit about yourself and your career trajectory up until this point. Sure. Um, I um, w- I worked as a special education teacher in Michigan for. Uh, 30 years. Uh, and I worked with adults with de- uh, developmental disabilities, uh, 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 emotional dis- uh, disabilities, mental illness, uh, the whole the whole gamut. Um, and I retired from that a few years ago. And since that time, I, for lack of a better uh, way of putting it, I've been working on me. I, uh, I I've uh, uh, got, I got into art, uh, painting primarily, and uh, I have a studio practice that I still uh, am involved in. And I got into writing. And writing, writing is something that I had been drawn to early on, uh, but for various reasons, I, um, I, uh, I got away from it uh, for, for a lot of, a, a long time, and uh, I had. I had the good fortune to be able to to to, to uh, investigate it again after I retired. And how did you come to write Standpipe? Because it's a, a little bit different than some of the writing you have published previously. I think. Yeah, I I primarily uh, I'm a poet primarily, and I when I say poet, I'm a, I'm I didn't train as a poet. I don't I don't come from a uh, an academic uh, literary tradition. But uh, I've always been, uh, I was drawn to that. And um, uh, intuitively, I think, uh, I love language. Uh, I, I, I love rhythm uh, um, and imagery. Uh, so uh, Standpipe is a departure from what I normally write. Uh, but, but I think the, uh, the fact that I write poetry uh, really um, informed uh, the, the writing of standpipe, I, I, uh, you know, looking at it now, I, I can see parallels between the, the kind of poetry that I write and uh, some of the passages in standpipe, some of the some of the chapters. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how you sort of literally came to write standpipe. How um, tell us about the circumstances that you drew from in in writing this book. 
Um, I had no intention of writing a book. <laughs> uh, well, I went about this anyway. Uh, uh, writing a book, uh, I'm like a lot of people. Uh, you know, I, I've always entertained, uh, fantasized about writing a book. I had already, I had published two books of poetry, but uh, writing writing a book proper uh, was something I uh, aspired to, but really, I couldn't uh, um, uh, quite imagine doing it. Um, but the book came about um, uh, directly as uh, directly from my decision to volunteer with the American Red Cross um, at, at the at, really at the beginning, the height of the the, the Flint water crisis. Um, uh, I had been listening to reports on uh, on my local public radio station for. Uh, for months and months and months, and following the progress, but but really only half-heartedly. I had other things. Uh, there were other things uh, uh, occupying my time, uh, and, and that's a, I'll I'll get to that as well. But um, uh, in the spring of uh, gosh, I hope I have the date right. In, in the spring of sixteen, uh, the early spring. Uh, uh, the, the water crisis was uh, f- sort of full blown, and it was uh, uh, in Michigan at least. I think probably nationwide, it was in the news uh, every day. And um, I, I became convinced that I, 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 I needed to go there. I needed to go to Flint and t- to do something uh, uh, to help out. And I'm not. I hadn't really uh, hadn't really been uh, an activist of, of any of any kind. Uh, uh, I'm pretty vocal about uh, about things, but I hadn't really taken an activist role, so it was a first for me. Um, and I, I guess I should say at this point, the reason I decided what got me <laughs> fired up to go was mm-hmm. I my mother had uh, uh, died uh, the previous the fall previous the fall of uh, fifteen, and uh, uh, almost not long after she died, uh, I underwent some routine surgery. It, it kept me, I was uh, uh, immobile for, for uh, a, a couple of months. So I had time on my hands and I was, <laughs> found myself stewing, uh, kind of isolated, uh, the way we all are right now, I guess, in the pandemic and uh, grieving my mother, although I really, I didn't understand what I was going through so much. And when this opportunity came up to volunteer, uh, uh, in hindsight, I realized I was channeling my my grief, my rage, uh, in a way that uh, I think you know turned out to be uh, healthy and productive. But at the time, I just wanted to go and physically do something. Uh, so I went. Yeah, you know, I, I drove to Flint. I live in uh, outside of Detroit. Flint is about seventy miles north of where I live, uh, and uh, I drove there one day without really without much of a plan other than to, I knew that I had to go to the Red Cross. And uh, one thing led to another. And I, uh, I enrolled in a, in a training program there um, to become a disaster relief volunteer, which, which is, which is there. Uh, it's the portal uh, at the Red Cross to, to uh, provide, provide relief services anywhere, uh, anywhere in the nation uh, after uh, uh primarily a natural disaster. But in this case, the disaster was very unnatural. And it was uh, 
brought about by by human error and, and hubris, I, in, in my opinion. Um, anyway, I, I having gone through that training, I uh, I started to go to Flint uh, every week, uh, and I make the point in the book. I, uh, there were people there, people who were doing this very thing daily, and and it, that wasn't me. I I, I went. Uh, I was going once a week, and I went for about five months. So I wasn't I wasn't one of the people who really uh, uh, you know sacrificed a great deal of time to to, uh, to to make a difference in Flint but I but I was uh, I was going there regularly um, I wasn't I wasn't living there I was driving back and forth when I uh, on the days that I volunteered um, and and, and uh, I, I found over time that my uh, it, it took me some time to realize, why I had gone there in the first place and, and what I, what my expectations were, what I expected to find there, what I, uh, uh, you know, my, my rationale was pretty rudimentary in the beginning. I just wanted, I wanted to feel like I was physically engaged and, and, uh, uh, doing something to, to, to help people who were obviously uh, in need of help. I, I, I'm rambling. I hope I've answered the question. <laughs> no, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm going to back up. I'm going to back up just a little bit and ask you to. Um, so this book for our, our our listeners is a is a memoir. In case that hasn't been made clear, um, so it's yeah. not um, it's not sociology it's not history it's um it it's dave's it's experience. Not, it's, it's, it's not well. journalism right <laughs> it's not journalism either um could you tell our listeners a little bit about the structure of this book um could you give us a summary could, could you it's this is a hard book to summarize but if you can could you give us a summary yeah i i think i can i'll try um uh, again, it wasn't, uh, you know, there are plenty of really good j- journalistic books that have come out about Flint and, 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 and magazine articles and newspaper articles. And uh, um, you know, I, 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 I didn't have anything to add uh, in, in that realm. But uh, it, it, my book is a memoir, and uh, it's a memoir of uh, my time in Flint um, uh, over the course of months. But it, it also weaves in the story of my uh, my family, my family of origin, particularly my mother. Um, and the lead up, you know, the, the origins of the crisis in Flint go back, well, go back to 2014 and probably before that. Um, it, you know, it, it, it didn't erupt into a full blown emergency. It, it took time to happen, and, and a lot of thing, and a lot of uh, things conspired. Uh, to make that happen. And, uh, uh, my mother, uh, had, uh, entered a period of decline, um, that, that more or less paralleled the lead up to the water crisis in Flint. Uh, again, I live in Michigan. My, my parents had been, uh, uh, native Tennesseans, if that's the right word, <laughs> Tennesseans. Mm-hmm. They, they they came to Michigan like a lot of people after the World War II to find work, and uh, they stuck around. They 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 stayed uh, until uh, they reached retirement age, and ultimately my 
you know, they made, they went to Florida, like a lot of people in retirement, but then my father died and my mother wound up going back to her hometown in Tennessee, uh, East Tennessee in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. So um, I only saw her uh, uh, periodically. We, we, in, we, we, we kept in touch uh, uh, over the phone and we would see each other a, uh, once or twice a year. Um, uh, but um, in her decline, I found myself, uh, you know, having to go, have, you know, going there quite a, with increasing frequency to, to see to her, uh, her, uh, her medical needs. And, and along with my brother, I, I, I grew up with a brother as well. And so he was part of that too. Um, um, I'm going to collect my thoughts here real quick and backtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, my mother, and it's, in it, the book talks a lot about uh, our early relationship. I was the first born in my family and, and uh, uh, my brother came along five years afterward. And uh, the circumstances of our family were that my father had a job that took him away, took him away from home for, for length, lengthy periods of time. And so it was just the two of us. And we were very close. Uh, we, we, we had, a uh, uh, really, it really, it was just, uh, uh, us against the world, I guess at, at the time, uh, she didn't know anybody in Michigan and, and, uh, uh, had no, really no family, no friends to speak of. So, uh, she and I spent a lot of, a lot of time together and that closeness over time, uh, uh, started to erode and, and it's, I guess, uh, I hope it comes out in the book. It's complicated why that happened, but we we drifted apart, and it, it was probably more not so much drifting as we uh, ran away from each other. And uh, it was only in her at the end of her life that I realized how important she was to me, and, and uh, that I in fact uh, needed her <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. at, at 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 my age. I was I was in my late fifties at the time, and I realized that uh, I, I very much needed her. Uh, maybe more than she needed me. Um, so that's how um, those two stories come together. And then I, I went, I went to Flint after her death and, uh, and, and everything I'm describing to you wasn't apparent to me at the time. It, it, it came out through the writing. It came out over time. I, I, there, there were many things about our relationship that uh, took time to bubble up uh, I think all I knew, all I knew um, at the time I went to Flint was I was angry. Uh, I was full of rage. I I would have said at the time that it was directed toward, you know, mainly toward uh, the the situation in Flint and how that how that came to be. Uh, you know, decisions that were made in Lansing and and by the uh, city manager that had been appointed by the governor. But a lot of it was my own, you know, rage directed uh, and anger directed. You know, they're having to do with my family situation and how 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 we seem to get off track. So the book really um, it sort of um, flashes back and forth between your your relationship with your mother and her decline, and then your work in the city of Flint. Um, c- could you tell and, us? And little- can, uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, I, maybe maybe you're going to ask me this. I was going to say that in the beginning, uh, what what I started doing in Flint uh, 
while I was there, I started, I I realized that I was uh, a very small part of something big. And uh, I, I, I set out to preserve what I saw and what I heard every day in a journal. And um, I, I didn't, I did so without an intention of turning, turning that into a book. But uh, I think the, it was the people that I met I, uh, every day. I, I met a lot when I, uh, on my days there, I, I met a lot of people um, in the course of handing out water or delivering water. And uh, uh, I was, became very curious about them and I wanted to preserve conversations and my impressions and uh, you know, the setting in which they occurred. So um, that, what I, what I, what began to grow was a journal, but, it, but I wanted to avoid, and I purposely set out to avoid a linear um, kind of a day to day. This happened uh, on this day. Then the next day this happened. Uh, it was, I almost saw it as a, uh, a cut and paste uh, affair where uh, uh, mirroring in, 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 mir- that mirrored my uh, experience there. You know, uh, my, I w- it would almost be when I would show up in Flint on a particular day, it would almost be, uh, it didn't have, it didn't necessarily connect with what, I, what with what I had done the, the week before or what I would do the week after it's it sort every day stood alone. And, uh, I wanted to, I think I wanted to, in the beginning, at least set out to create a, uh, a, a journal, have a, develop a journal feel to it, but that, that didn't really track in a linear way. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I had um, well it, it, research. My my research of of the Flint situation. Uh, again, this was not a journalistic endeavor. I I, I went back and I read uh, accounts for you know uh, contemporary accounts of uh, the lead up to to the crisis in magazine articles. Uh, my personal research was. Uh, really the sum total of work that I had been doing on my own for, for uh, years, uh, mainly after I retired, uh, just, you know, my own, my own developing my own insight into, to how I got to be who I was. Um, uh, and, and I had done some writing for my own, just for me that never with no intention of publishing it, trying to put down my story. And I, I, I ended up, I drew, I drew, I drew quite a bit from that in the writing of the book. Can you talk a bit about the writing of the book? I think people who have never written memoir or um, are maybe not familiar with it don't understand the difference between a kind of carefully crafted memoir and somebody's journal or somebody's diary um, and might not understand how um how the how that writing is polished and is processed, and I I wondered if you could talk a little bit about um, how long did it take you to turn your experiences um, and your your sort of jotting you know notes in the journal into this book? Yeah, I can I I, I could talk about that uh, probably at length. I um uh, don't I I think all good writers uh, keep notes obsessively and i wish i could say that i was one of those guys i i uh, try to uh, uh keep a notebook with me all the time uh and and it's a real discipline to 
uh, pull it out and 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 uh, jot down what you're what you're seeing and hearing. Uh, I, I'm always working on getting better at that. Um, but the, the actual writing of the book it took me, I would say, the better part of four years. Um, I and I'm I'm I. I I don't come from an academic tradition. I didn't go through a, write, a writing a, a writing program at a university. Um, but my my, <laughs> for better or for worse, my my process is uh, revision, revision, revision. Uh, I obsessively, uh, you know, revise this book uh, for a long time. Uh, literally, I would uh, go back. So the work I had done the day before, and I would uh, revise from from the beginning every every time I sat down. So I was constantly re- retreading old ground. But it seems to work for me. Um, uh, the, um, I'm just trying. I guess I need to backtrack a bit. Um, I had no I had no intention of, of of it of this turning into a book, and I I. I I polished the the journal uh, uh, for for quite a long time, and I and I I sent it around to some people that I admire. Uh, we in Michigan we have a a, a, a local poet uh, and essayist named Thomas Lynch. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I'm not. Uh, he's a he's nationally known, internet internationally known. He writes a lot about death and dying, and uh, primarily a poet. But uh, I, I he read it and uh, uh, gave me. Uh, some good criticism, but the one piece of advice that he gave me that I took to heart was that, yeah, this is, this is good, but you really need a countervailing theme to, to almost a, a way to provide friction for, for the, uh, against what you've what you've already written here about what, you know, about Flint. And, and only then did it occur to me, well, uh, I need to, I need to set that the Flint story off against the story of my, my family and my mother. And it was only, only by doing that, I think that, that the, the book took on a life of its own and, and, and acquired and, a you know, my voice came through. Did your work as a poet influence, right? Your nonfiction writing, I, the chapters seem to me, they're very short and kind of evocative. They read almost a little bit like flash fiction. They are, they're poetic, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, I, can, you, can you talk a little bit about maybe similarities and differences between the kind of writing you'd published before and working on this book? Yeah. Um, again, I published a, a couple of books of poetry. Uh, I had done that before this, and uh, uh, the 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 uh, urge to, the urge or the drive to write poetry certainly informed the writing of this book. That I, I can say that the process was the same for me. I, I couldn't distinguish between sitting down to write poetry and sitting down to write this book. Although you know the format is totally different, and uh, but I'm but I'm really drawn to imagery and uh, and. Uh, uh, a certain indirectness, and uh, you know, uh, I, I I hope I achieved this, but I, I wanted to. I didn't want to tell people what to think. I didn't want to uh, tell readers uh, uh, how to feel. I, I wanted to suggest things, and 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 the hope would be that readers then would draw their own conclusions or uh, find something in the book to 
uh, trigger their own feelings, which which is what I think I do with poetry. I th- I think it I I think it works. I think, it, but I I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how you think it might work in um, in teaching context. So. I um, I teach medical students. Um, many of my um, colleagues and and sort of pro- professional um, associates are interested in in history of medicine, in medical or health humanities. Um, what what do you think Sandpipe might be able to give an audience of healthcare workers? I'm thinking not just of physicians, but of public health professionals, nurses, EMTs, home health aides, um, what, uh, without, without being sort of prescriptive, right, or didactic, what might you hope that folks like that would get out of the book? Yeah, well, um, I, from the very beginning in, in going to Flint, and, and even, and in retrospect, during my teaching career, uh, I struggled with uh, the, the idea of uh, maintaining um, a professional distance from the from the people I was endeavoring to help my the, my, my students or the citizens in Flint. You know, maintaining a, dis- a professional distance uh, as opposed to getting caught up in uh, my, my version of uh, what it might be to save them. And, you know, out of my heart, I felt like my heart was in the right place. I, want, I was doing the right thing, but there was always that, uh, I was always conscious of uh, why am I really doing this? What am I really hoping to do here? Um, which I think, and I think if it, can, it can keep a person from, uh, even if their heart is in the right place, it can keep a person from seeing their, you know, patient or their student or, uh, you know, uh, a, a person living in Flint a, a, as a as a uh, a human a human being in their own right uh, and an individual in their own right. And there was there was always that f- tension there for me. I, I hope I landed. Uh, I hope I landed on the right side of that more often than the wrong side. Uh, I know when I taught <clears throat> in my teaching career. Uh, uh, there were some students that I became, uh, too invested in and, uh, and it, and I mentioned this in the book, but, uh, it never did them any good. And it really, it never did me any good. Um, uh, and, and, and likewise in Flint, uh, it, it didn't take me long to, to realize that any, any notions, uh, you know, romantic notions I might've had going in that I'm going there you know, I'm doing God's work. I'm I'm helping these people. Uh, I, I quickly I was disabused of that uh, almost right away. Um, you know, certainly the Red Cross did a lot, did very good work there, and I was a small part of that. Um, uh, but the people in Flint, you know, the citizens there have been <laughs> they've been dealing with trauma and and uh, uh, social injustice for decades and decades and decades. And the water crisis was just the latest, uh, the latest thing to come along, you know, just another, another, uh, example of, of, uh, uh, being, you know, being taken, taken for granted by the powers that be, uh, 
if you were so, going to teach, so, ex- I guess doing... equanimity. If you're getting back to the question, mm-hmm. developing equanimity in a, in a, in a sense that uh, uh, you know um, you, you you see pe- you see people you, you see people for who they are uh, and trying to find a balance between uh, helping them, uh, but not 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 being paternalistic and and and, and not uh, getting caught up in uh, saving anybody. In in what ways does Standpipe work against expectations readers might have about memoirs that deal with death and dying? I'm thinking of books that are quite popular um, among, you know, doctor writers or in medical or health humanities programs, things like When Breath Becomes Air or the work Batul Gawande. Um, uh, on for- death and dying are sort of bread and butter for for medical humanists, unfortunately. Um, in what ways does Standpipe kind of <laughs> contribute to that genre, but but work against it a little bit? Um, well, I, I can best answer that probably by by talking about how my uh, how my my expectations changed. I. My, my mother didn't die suddenly. She died over the course of uh, the better part of a year. And I, looking back now, I think when when the first um, when she first started to experience serious illness, uh, I uh, I was um, already anticipating her death, e- even though she wasn't near death at that point. Uh, she was she was an old she was an older person, uh, you know. It, Death is inevitable, and, and I, I went. That was where I went. <laughs> I went straight to that, uh, trying to imagine uh, what it was, what this was all about, and what it meant for the two of us. And I had certain expectations. Uh, I think that I developed during that year and a half uh, of um, uh, some kind of reconciliation between us, brought up, brought about by her death. In other words, she this fanciful idea that her dying would, uh, her death would bring us, you know, uh, some kind of, um, uh, bring us to some a point of understanding that, uh, that we had really diverged from over the years. And, uh, it, it, and it, all it did really was it brought me closer to her because she needed my help. And, uh, you know, I, it, it got it, it put me in a frame of mind to really examine our relationship. But between for the two of us, you know, I, I, I anything that I might have expected to get from I shouldn't say get from but anything I might have expected to come from her death. Uh, that didn't happen. There was no there was no death. There was no last minute uh, reconciliation. There was no uh, tidy, a, a tidy summing up of our life together. And, and there's, there, you know, I, I, there's, I wasn't entitled to that. You know, her death was her death and it wasn't mine. And I was there to witness it. Fortunately, I, I, I was, had the good fortune to be there to witness it, but it was her own death. And, uh, you know, I, I really looking back, you know, I, it was, uh, uh, naive of me to think that her death would, uh, uh, uh you know, afford us some kind of neat storybook, uh, uh, summing up of, of, uh, 
of all the things that 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 had transpired to 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 take us to keep us apart over the years. So there was there's sort of no big revelation. But that was my fantasy. There there would be a revelation. I, I read those books, yeah. <laughs> fiction, yeah, life and fiction, and and that's I part of me I think expected that and and i'm not saying i i i was uh, i i was in you know uh uh looking forward to it but I, but i was anticipating it and uh somehow that would benefit both of us she it would ease her <laughs> ease her journey to to whatever comes after and ease my own ease my life as well but you know that that did not happen and 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 again i'm repeating myself but nor should it nor should it have happened she her death was hers and um and I was just happy that I could be there to witness it for, for whatever it was. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about how you weave together the, the blurb on the back of the book says um, you really sort of applauds your engagement with civic and familial trauma. And you really and weaves those two things together, civic and familial trauma. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about how you do that. It's, it's hard to convey unless, unless people read the book. So I would encourage our listeners to read the book, but um, if, if you could give them a, a kind of secondhand of what you were trying to do with that, that would be wonderful. Well, I, I was trying to portray uh, trauma in, in, in small, in it, in it, in its smallest, uh, uh, in smallest iterations, you know, I, I uh, in Flint, I met, I, I would meet uh, quite a few people every day, you know, my job, and I, I probably didn't make it clear earlier in the conversation. Uh, my job was to, to drive, uh, well, in the Red Cross, they call it an uh, emergency relief vehicle, but the acronym is an ERV, E-R-V. <clears throat> my job was to drive an ERV around town and deliver water to people who couldn't uh, either they, they they couldn't pick up water at a, at a uh, one of the one of the water uh, uh, sites that the state had established all over the city. So they you know, either they didn't have a car, or they couldn't drive, or they didn't have the means to get there. So my job was to bring the water to them, um, and 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 my I, I what I wanted to do was um, to you know showcase not showcase i wanted to portray their the trauma that they were going through individually as individuals as as uh mothers fathers grandparents uh uh in, in a real small uh in a real small way but i was at the same time uh wanted to portray the trauma that i had gone through uh growing up and uh you know trauma comes in a lot of different Pack, packages, uh, <laughs> um, and I, I don't want to make a distinction between different kinds. Uh, certainly, my the trauma that I went through was nothing compared to uh, what the folks in Flint were going through, and nothing compared to to a lot of people. But it was still trauma, and 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 and, and as a city, the city itself had gone through years of trauma. Uh, not you know bef- before the water crisis became the water crisis, and I wanted to try to portray all of it. Uh, in in small ways and large, but I think maybe it was more. I was more successful at portraying the the small uh, the hallmarks of of, of sm- 
trauma writ small, if that makes sense. I I think so, because it is a very um, sort of a, a detailed, um, as you say, sort of poet's eye, eye view of your experiences. It's it's also, I read Standpipe as as being a sort of part, partly a report on this public health disaster in Flint, Michigan. So what did you see when you um, came there as a volunteer to help? Who did you meet? Um, but also as a kind of critique of heroic narratives, uh, white, especially sort of white savior type, type narratives in medicine and public health. Um, did I read it right? Was that was was that one of the things that you intended for readers to to glean from the book? Yeah, that was uh, that was always foremost in my mind. Uh, I'm 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 white, uh, late middle aged. Well, maybe I'm even elderly by now. I don't know. Uh, and and it, it it was never lost on me that I was going to uh, 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 predominantly black city to. Uh, to lend a hand to help out, and I was constantly asking myself, well, "What am I really doing here? And what, how, how am I? How do I view myself in this context?" Um, and, I, and I very much wanted to uh, address that in the book. Um, you know, I, I, I probably uh, I fought against getting, I fought against within myself, fought against that the idea that I was, uh, you know, this good white guy showing up in, in Flint to, uh, to right some kind of a wrong, uh, uh, all the time. Uh, and, um, it, it, it quickly, that, that quickly gets dispelled when you start meeting people and meeting people in their own homes and talking to people in their own homes. You know, the, 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 the problem, the problem in Flint was a problem for the entire city, but it wasn't, it didn't define it doesn't define the citizens individually. It doesn't define who they are. Uh, I ran into all kinds of people and, uh, with, with, you know, real varied histories. And, uh, that probably helped me more than anything to, to, uh, get over this idea that, uh, that I was, that I might be going there for the wrong reasons or going there with some kind of, uh, uh, um, elevated view of, of my role. So I, I think this theme, at least the way I read the book, was that this theme kind of comes into play in both the book's title and conclusion. And I usually ask about the title first, but because your title is also in your conclusion, I kind of saved this question for last. Um, could you tell us a little bit about um, where the book's title came from? And then as much as you want to say about the end of the book, um, without, you know, you, if you don't want to, without giving too much away. Yeah. Well, the, t- the title came to me, uh, early on. I mean, well, it came to me while I was in Flint, actually. Uh, uh, I, I, and I, I'm not sure where it comes from. I'm, I'm never sure where, <laughs> where my ideas come from, but, um, I, I began, you know, a standpipe is, um, if you look it up, it, it's really, uh, uh, literally a, just a real, uh, a pipe coming out of the ground, uh, to, to, to bring water in a communal way, uh, to people who, 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 um, you know, are, de- we're all dependent on it. And, uh, it, to me, it was a stark, 
image uh, of, of what we were, what the Red Cross was doing in, in Flint. And, uh, uh, you know, a standpipe itself, in my, in my view, speaks for itself. It's, it's nothing else. It, 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 it can, it, it, it it's its own, uh, uh, it's its own, uh, statement, I suppose, on, on purpose. And, uh, uh, you know, what, I guess one could choose to, to, uh, interpret it in different ways and, 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 uh, see it as a metaphor, but, but, uh, to me, it was just a real stark statement of purpose for, for what was happening in Flint. And um, the, the end of the book, uh, and, and I guess I won't say, I don't want to, well, there's really no ending to give away, but mm-hmm. I, I will say this. Um, uh, it, it became apparent to me, and my, my time in Flint drew, the reason I, the reason I, uh, it ended for me was the, uh, the Red Cross uh, th- their mission is to provide emergency uh, relief uh, in, in the wake of a, a, you know, a natural disaster. Uh, and uh, Flint had ceased to be, it, sound, it sounds odd to say, but it had ceased to be an emergency. Uh, although if you're living there, uh, it, it's an emergency. But in the Red Cross's eyes, it had ceased to be an emergency, and the state of Michigan took over from them to provide provide water. And so, uh, I, I I was a Red Cross volunteer, so my I, my time ended. It had a, it had a definite shelf life. Um, but I became increasingly aware near the as my time drew to a close that um, as important as it was to to deliver water, that was the mission. Uh, the real, the real, the real, uh, the real mission, the real goal was just for me was to, um, was compassion and, 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 and seeing people for who they were and, and, uh, um, sort of letting go of all my, uh, preconceived notions and expectations and, and being mindful of, of, of uh, my time there and, 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 uh, the people I met and their, their own, their own stories, their, their individual stories. Well, Dave, the, the book sort of does, um, I, I think it does portray the, the folks you met in a, in a sensitive, um, and observant way. Um, We've taken up a lot of your time. I wondered, um, it's, it's now time for our traditional final question, which is, what are you working on now? Um, I, I'm a fan of uh, Richard Ford. He's a novelist. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with, mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's primarily a novelist, but a few years ago he published a memoir called Between Them, and it really had an effect on me. Uh, he, it, he's writing about, he writes about his parents. He was a single, an only child. And, um, and, and it wasn't a dramatic upbringing. You know, there was no, uh, there were, there was no, um, well, things certainly happened in their family that were, that were uh, significant, but, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, a kind of a, uh, uh, lurid tell-all. His parents mm-hmm. were, were, were just, uh, typical people in the Midwest trying to get by. But it really had an effect on me, and so right now I'm I'm uh, I talk a lot about my mother and standpipe, 
And I've been thinking a lot about my father. I'm, I'm uh, to me, family is a, a never, it, 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 it's a never ending well of interest. I, the, the family, I think families are the basis of a lot of good fiction. And, uh, but in terms of memoir, I've been looking more at my father and I, and I'm, I don't really have a good idea yet, but I'm conceiving of some sort of a, a portrait of him in writing that, that might be a combination of poetry, essay, non, uh, you know, fiction and nonfiction as well. Uh, I guess in a, I, I, in a way I want to, um, uh, there's a lot I don't know about him and I want to, uh, create my own version <laughs> that, that, might, that might be true as close as I can get to who, who he was as a man. So anyway, that's, that's what I'm working on, uh, now. And I, and I'm always writing poetry. I, 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 I write every day. Well, Dave, that sounds like a wonderful project. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to, to come on the show and share your work with us today. And thank you, Claire. I really appreciate it.